baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, as you probably know, the USFL is back. They're playing all their games in Birmingham, Alabama, and it is a revival of a league that existed in the 1980s. And a while back, I read a book, just a terrific book about the original USFL called Football for a Buck, the crazy rise and crazier demise of the USFL. Jeff Perlman is the author, and Jeff is with me here this morning. Jeff, what's it like for you to see uh, the, the teams that are still, you know, the original team names and colors of the league that you wrote about and that was a, a flash in the pan a couple decades ago? Um, I don't buy it. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm probably supposed to say the opposite, but I just feel very skeptical about it. I, um, I used this analogy before. It's kind of like if the, if the rock band Kiss broke up and 30 years later it was like kisses back and it's four guys wearing kiss makeup and it's like everyone kisses back kisses back how's it feel to have kiss back and it's like uh, is that really kiss and that's kind of how i feel about the usfl they have the uniforms they have the team names and that's actually where the comparison seemed to end they play a game called football but that's about it and they play it in the spring which we'll get to in a little while tell me uh, let's go back to the original USFL how did it get started why did it get started i mean there was a guy named david dixon out of new orleans who sort of always dreamed of starting up a alternative league to the nfl actually initially his goal was to bring uh, expansion to the city of new orleans this is way before the saints and he didn't find the effort the uh, interest and he kept at it even when the saints were became a team and he just thought spring football it's a great idea and he pushed and he pushed and he pushed and he started getting guys interested he made these sales pitches to guys like george allen old school nfl guys and um you know before long 1983 comes and we have this league called the united states football league with it started with eight teams i think it was eight teams and um you know the goal was just to give fans something else to watch uh because at the time back in the 80s the NFL wasn't like it is now. It wasn't year-round. People weren't clamoring for the draft. There wasn't free agent news. There wasn't always there wasn't gossip about it all. There wasn't an NFL network. So there was a void and a vacancy uh, in the spring. So um, that's kind of how it started. And did it go into it as a spring league, not a league that really was intent on, on challenging the NFL, would maybe accept second-level talent and, and play a spring schedule and, and just be kind of a diversion? You know, it was really smart. I still maintain the USFL was a smart idea. The basic idea was we're going to have a spring league, so we don't go head-to-head with the NFL. We'll go in some NFL markets, but not all NFL markets. We're going to, um, we're going to have regional drafts, which is really smart. They had a general draft where you could pick the best players, but then they had regional drafts too. So like the Philadelphia Stars, just as an example, they would draft players specifically from Penn State, Pitt, Delaware, Villanova, regional teams – the idea being, all right, you're a Philadelphia native and you want to see the guys you rooted for sort of in college progress in their career. We're going to do that in the USFL. And it wasn't, you know, they made Herschel Walker, they signed early out of the University of Georgia, only mainly because the NFL wasn't taking underclassmen and Walker wanted to come out. But generally the idea was we're going to get sort of 
great if the NFL is A players, we're going to get B minus players, and we're going to build up slowly, and maybe one day we'll challenge the NFL. They screwed that up, but that was the idea. And didn't they also, I remember reading about one of the teams had a tryout camp, and the stories about that tryout camp are pretty comical as well. Oh, well, all the teams had these crazy, crazy tryout camps. And it was cool because it was like, they would literally, you got to remember at the time period, they would put ads in the newspaper. And it'd be like, live your dreams of playing professional football. And you'd have like, the Chicago Blitz are going to have an open tryout at so-and-so field. And everyone who comes gets a free t-shirt. And you'd have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. And it'd be, you know, guys who worked as waiters, guys just out of prison, guys with one leg, guys who played quarterback semi-pro, guys who were 50 years old and wanted another shot. And it was just this carnival of the weird and the strange. Um, I remember the, uh, the Tampa Bay Bandits held a tryout. And um, they thought that the, they were convinced that they had the former kicker, Gary Premium. They thought he was the longtime NFL kicker, was trying out. And he looked, this guy who was a kicker who looked just like Gary Upremium shows up. And everyone just kept calling him Gary Upremium because they thought it was him. And it turns out it was a dentist who just looked like Gary Upremium and couldn't <laughs> kick a lift. So a lot of like crazy fun stuff like that. Oh, and it's all in the book, Football for a Buck by Jeff Perlman, who's my guest here this morning. And let's talk also about the big money they spent. Steve Young, the story about the signing of Steve Young by the LA Express is another one of those head shakers. Yeah, well, the thing is, the U.S. about really screwed up. Like, they had this idea, slow growth, you're going to lose money at first. And then basically you had a bunch of tycoons come along or wannabe tycoons and blow up the whole idea of that. And we're going to get, we're going to start stealing players from the NFL. We're going to start paying loads of money. We're going to take them on. You know, Donald Trump came in and then with the LA Express, they had an owner named Bill Oldenburg, who turned out to be really a con man. And um, he offered, Steve Young was coming out of BYU. He was going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He did not want to go to the Cincinnati Bengals, who are the number one pick. Um, the U.S. of reaches out to him and said, who would you want to go to? And he looks over the team and he said, well, I guess L.A. So they, they fix the draft. So Steve Young gets drafted by L.A. And then they offer him this deal. And it was it's misleadingly preposterous. It was a $40 million contract, which at the time was insane. And everyone kept saying, this is crazy. This is the death of football, blah, blah, blah. What a lot of people didn't realize, a lot of it was an annuity. Like, a ton of it was an annuity. And payments that he wouldn't get for, you know, 20, 25 years. Um, which he never even ended up getting because we folded and everything happened. The guy declared bankruptcy. So, um, but they were throwing around crazy amounts of money. And today, I feel like NFL players aren't aware of the fact that their salaries, uh, how high they are, has a lot to do with the USFL coming along and driving up salaries and forcing NFL teams to pay big bucks to keep their players. Yeah, for sure. And the signing of Steve Young actually led to one of the most prolific passing performances in a single game ever, the matchup between mm -hmm. the L.A. Express and Jim Kelly and the Houston Gamblers. Talk about that. I mean, it's awesome. And you can find it on YouTube, uh, the game, and newsreels from it. It was So Jim Kelly was a Houston Gamblers quarterback. He came out of because he didn't want to go to Buffalo. Just like Steve Young didn't want to go to Cincinnati. Uh, Jim Kelly, did. he'd been drafted by the Buffalo Bills. He had no desire to go to Buffalo. The Houston Gamblers come along. They make him this big offer. And then they run this offense, the run and shoot, no huddle, four or five wide receivers, no tight ends on the roster, barely run the ball, throw, 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 throw. And uh, it was so exciting to watch. And, um, you know, they go to L.A. And it's Steve Young, Jim Kelly. I think they combined for nine touchdown passes and a gazillion yards. And it's still considered the greatest game nobody's seen because um, 
the LA Express drew nobody. They played in a 90,000-seat stadium, the LA Coliseum at the mm-hmm. time, and they probably had about 3,000 people at that game, which, you know, 3,000 people in a 90,000-seat stadium does not look very good. And, you know, that offense, much like the ABA with the three-point line, you know, it revolutionized football and really brought the NFL and made them, you know, look at the more wide-open offense, much like the three-point line affected the NBA. Now, we had some team mergers. What, Arizona, was it Arizona-Chicago? Didn't they switch teams? Yeah, they were traded for each other. So basically, um, they play the, it's really funny. It's one of my favorite things, maybe in life, not just sports. The, uh, the first season, you have the Chicago Blitz, coached by George Allen. They're really good. A lot of former NFL players. We have the Arizona Wranglers, uh, terrible. Just a brutally bad team. But the owner of the Arizona Wranglers is... Um, is a guy, oh no, excuse me, the owner of the Chicago Blitz is a guy named Ted Dietrich. And he owns a Blitz, but he is based in Phoenix, his business. So he wants to, he wants, he wants to somehow return to Phoenix. And for some reason, the USFL comes, comes up with this idea, we're to swap the teams. So the Chicago Blitz become the Arizona Wranglers. The Arizona Wranglers become the Chicago Blitz. Their entire rosters are swapped for one another. And the funny thing is, the Chicago Blitz, for their second season, hired a new coach. They hired Marv Levy, the legendary Marv Levy, but at the time he's just an unemployed coach. And Marv Levy shows up in Chicago and he's really excited because he's taking over this great Chicago Blitz team only to find out that the teams were traded for each other and he had no idea. So instead of coaching the great Chicago Blitz, he's coaching the crappy Chicago Blitz who were the Arizona Wranglers. And uh, it's, it's one of the great trades. It's actually a trade. It's one of the great trades in the history of sports and utterly preposterous. And then, of course, we have America's team, the Boston Breakers, who went to New Orleans, and then the Portland, Oregon. They covered all the coasts. But before yeah. we go, I've only got about a minute left here. We've got to talk about how the league came to its demise. Tell us that story. I mean, 45th president, Donald Trump comes along. He, uh, early on, he became uh, owner of the generals because he could not get an NFL team. He meets with Pete Rozelle, the NFL commissioner in private, tells him, you tell me what to do. I will blow up this USFL to get me an NFL team. Roselle tells him to go to hell. Trump then just basically does everything within his power to get a merger, forces the team to try to go to fall, to sue the NFL, on and on and on. It's all a catastrophe. Um, it's a big boondoggle on his part, and uh, the league dies. They end up suing the NFL, winning the lawsuit, and winning $3, and the league vanishes. And thus the title of the book, Football for a Buck. And there is a, a picture of a letter written by the Tampa Bay Bandits owner, John Bassett, to Donald Trump. That is right on the front of the book, and you'll want to read it when you pick it up. It's football for a buck, the crazy rise and crazier demise of the USFL. Jeff Perlman, like I said, I love this book. I recommend everybody I know read it. Thanks so much for joining me this morning to talk about it. All right, thanks for having me on. Coming up next, the news on Total Information AM. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.